Year of Bad Sex, written and read by me, Jonathan Izard. Part 19. Prize and I had hooked up on Grinder, my new number one app getting more of my attention even than the BBC News or The Guardian. I'd invited him to the naked yoga class, never imagining he'd come. They never do, I thought. Of about thirty or forty who'd expressed curiosity and checked the details. No sex, really. So naked yoga is like a yoga class but naked? Wow. The number who'd actually shown up over the last six months was... Drumroll! Zero. Nobody. Ever. Until prize. Prize. I mean, seriously. We met at the reception where he was already signing in. Prize? Jaunty? My first thought was, fuck, you're hot. But I managed to divert that into a side synapse, and instead offered, gosh, you're on time. And tall, yes, tall. You're so tall which is a pathetic greeting, but at least it was honest. A bit of chitty-chatty, and we went in for the class. We undressed in the corner of the room and then took our places, putting our mats next to each other on the floor. He was to my side, his body a bit closed. I found a few excuses to touch him on the arm or the leg in reassurance and friendship. And lust, you say. Really, don't cheapen my act of benevolence, humanity and grace. He said it was a bit weird to be in a room full of naked men. Funny, I had never found that. Even at the beginning of my nudie phase, it had always felt right, appropriate, relaxing and oddly empowering. That reassurance that comes from the realisation that all bodies, shapes, sizes, ages and colours are absolutely fine. Especially a body like that of Prize. Prize! Did his parents know what they were doing when they chose that name? There was a lot of him. Those legs went on forever. As the class progressed through mountain pose and chair, cobra, warrior, tree, bridge and downward dog, I sneaked a few glances to my left, hoping to spot his rampant serpent, but wary of ogling. Question, can you be a peeping Tom in a naked class? Everything I saw I wanted. His gentle face, stunning body, tiny nipples, flat abs, powerful legs and full chest. We arrived at a point where we were invited to work with a partner, someone you don't know. Prize and I briefly made eye contact, tacitly agreeing to choose others. So, still side by side, we worked with different men. But I was jealously watching him touching someone else's body and hugging him after the exercise. But I kept thinking, it's okay, I'll get my pleasure later. Then came the blindfold routine, a regular part of this class. Half the group, including him, wore a mask. Half, including me, didn't. We were now invited to go and stand in front of someone you like the look of. While I may not have been more powerful than a locomotive, or able to leap tall buildings at a single bound, but I'm damn certain I moved faster than a speeding bullet to position myself in front of prize. The exercise was to arouse his tantric energy through the power of touch, but not touch the genitals, which added to the thrill. I began with that incredible bum, pert and high and an immaculate, satisfying shape, softly stroking and brushing it. His scalp and ears got my attention too. I moved around in front of him, brushed his nipples with my fingertips, blowing a slight breath onto his belly. I stood close to him so that his hands, 
which were protecting his modesty, were brushed by my hardening cock. "'If you get aroused during the class,' the teacher said most weeks in his preamble, "'it's fine. And if you don't, it's fine too.' I did, and it was very fine. Without the blindfolds coming off, we moved on to a different partner, another similar routine, and then the masked men became unmasked and vice versa. For the next exercise, I was lying down to receive the ministrations of an anonymous yogi. I got shocks of energy that made my body shudder. Fingers strayed very, very close to my balls, and in my head I was screaming for more. That ended. There was another swap, and then we all took off the blindfolds, and after some meditation, the class ended. Prize seemed swift to pull on his underpants. Was he embarrassed? Offended? Aroused? Perhaps he wanted to leave alone. No, he agreed a drink was a good idea. We headed into Soho. I asked him if he'd enjoyed being touched by a stranger. Yes, he had. Had he found it erotic? Yes. Did he know who that stranger was? No. I told him it was me, that I'd moved like lightning to claim him. Prize then revealed that he had been the one to give me shudders of delight. I felt really close to him, having discovered this secret mutual connection. We had non-alcoholic cocktails as he was a teetotaler, and I was still on my meds. As we talked, he revealed that he had grown up in Switzerland, had excelled at athletics, and had even represented the country internationally at 400 metres hurdles. Ah, hence those biceps femoris, semitendinosus, adductor magnus, and gastronemius muscles, and especially the perfect gluteus maximus. I could hardly wait to get him on my massage table. That was surely the next step. And yet, he mentioned that he was religious, Maybe that explained the no-alcohol rule. Oh, well, his god clearly didn't forbid attending a naked men-only yoga class. He would surely allow massage that developed in a respectful way into sex. What kind of lousy deity would deny anyone free expression of their tantric power, especially anyone who looked as ravishing as prize? Speaking of sex, he said, which I must have been, I've only had it twice in the last five months. I tried not to choke on my mocktail. That was about twenty-five times less than I'd had in the last five weeks. All right, call me a floozy, but call me. He wondered aloud whether to go into work the next morning. Was he waiting for an invitation to my place? Well, he did ask how far away I lived, but I wasn't sure if I had the green light to proceed. He was open and friendly, but didn't flirt or respond to my tentative approaches. He'd probably be appalled at the offer of a night of pleasure. What? With you? Me and you? No, no, no. Sorry if I've... I mean, you know, hey, you're a nice guy, but... No, 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 it's fine, really, really, I understand. Sorry, sorry, I... 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 I sorry. Ooh. He'd already said he had to be up at 5am for work, so when the conversation dried to a trickle and he refused another drink, I said, Well, I guess you'd better be going and then realised it sounded as if I'd dismissed him. Dickhead. We walked to the tube. We were taking different lines, so we hugged briefly and swapped a peck on the cheeks. He said, Bye, and turned away in such a perfunctory manner that my heart sank. Had he been wanting to get away from me for hours? My heart stayed sunk for several days. So exquisite, so alluring. So level-headed, so young, so tall, so athletic, so elegant, so gentle, so tantalisingly close that I was permitted, not by him explicitly, but by circumstances, the luxury 
though cosseting his perfect flesh. Prize messaged me the next day, just a word or two, actually three. Thanks was great, plus a kissy face emoji. I tried not to reply at once, nor to gush in desperate fashion. I failed on both counts. My message was thirty-eight words, with two kissy faces. And that was that. I sent a couple of messages the following week, inviting him to a dance event, and then another yoga class. But I was crying into the wind, and silence was all I heard. So lovely, and so transitory. I did not win that prize. For a few days I had no gentleman callers. I discovered how to go offline and become invisible. It was a welcome relief. No juggling of balls, or juggling of boys, or of boys' balls. Leave Daddy alone for a while. Jeff was next to emerge from the pack. He'd been messaging me quite a lot and was up for a meet. He said he couldn't come to a yoga class because what would I tell my parents? Uh, that you're going to a yoga class. One day he texted to say he was shopping near my workplace and could we meet up? Sure. So we did. Not for a drink or a coffee, as he didn't want anything. I had a herbal tea and he sat with nothing in front of him. It felt aimless and incomplete. As we talked, he told me a few things about himself. He used to be a dancer, but now worked in HR. He was bored. He said, I've had sex with a man once, but that was in Brighton. I told him he was less scary in real life than in his photos online. I wasn't sure why we were meeting, especially when he said he was looking for a relationship with a guy, no offence, of my own age. Right. I could hardly take you home as my boyfriend. No. All right. Don't rub it in. Mum and Dad, this is Jonty. He'll be staying in my room tonight. Oh, and he's the same age as Grandad. No, that's not going to happen. It's not what either of us wanted. I finished my tea and we went our separate ways. Brief encounter indeed. That question in my head again. What are you looking for? Fun, i.e. sex. No strings attached, i.e. sex. Casual hookups, i.e. sex. Dates, i.e. sex. Play, i.e. sex. And for me, massage, i.e. massage leading to sex. Nobody, but nobody, says they're looking for sex. Why so prudish? Actually, one guy did say that weekends were best for him, because, as a bottom, it's hard after work getting clean for a fuck, which was honest, but didn't add to the erotic potential. The week after Jeff, the anodyne tryst with no twist, my diary for the week read, Mark, yoga, Mark, trainer, Chris, Evan, Jay, Rich, and possibly Felix, Jaleel, Dan, Dean, Raff, and Dixon. Sounds busy. Twelve potential shags. And the tally by the end of the week? None. All of them fell by the wayside. Every single one of them. Isaiah was old, fat and white. No, of course he wasn't. You know by now he was the opposite of all those. And he was the opposite of not Brazilian, too. We'd set up a massage appointment at short notice. At first, the time we'd agreed to meet was 10.30pm the following evening, as he was working in a pizza restaurant in Pinna. Then he texted at 10.30 to say he was just leaving. Table and towels were ready, so I was a bit pissed off. He offered 
another day, but I couldn't see any free time in my schedule for the next week or so, and I didn't want him to slip through my fingers. Let's do it, I replied, accepting this was going to be a late session. At 11.30 he was at a nearby tube station. I went to meet him and recognised him at once. Tall, dark, and as handsome as a handsome cab. His specs added an extra sexiness to him. We made an attempt at a hug. Oh, this is awkward, he said. It'll be better when we're indoors, I said, hoping it would. In that short walk I discovered he was opinionated and rather forceful, dogmatic in a way I found unwelcome. He was not shy, not reticent. In the flat he helped himself to a glass for the vodka I was about to pour and put ice cubes in his drink but not mine, until I reprimanded him. He liked to talk about himself a lot. I'd discovered this the night before, and he now went over the same ground, his job, his finances, his work, his flat, his ex. I was polite, of course, but I replied with the same comments I'd offered twelve hours earlier. He'd been thrown out of his boyfriend's place a week ago and was kipping on a mate's sofa in Isleworth, so we'd already established that he'd be staying the night. I had no qualms about that. Isaiah was one of the handful of men who, on entering my flat, said, "'You're not going to kill me, are you?' with a laugh and got my reply, no, and you're not going to rob me, are you? Then he said, do you mind if I just text your address to a friend? I thought about this. How sensible. Of course I knew I was trustworthy, and he must have thought so too, up to a point, but to send his location to someone, and to let me know he was doing it, what a wise young man. He put his wine down and sent his message. Then he said, she wants to speak to me, okay? Of course. He made a FaceTime call and began chattering away in Portuguese. I hardly recognised a word. After all, on a trip to Lisbon, I'd got away with the single word obrigado for a long weekend. But I did get Warren Street and Jonty. Then Isaiah said, Maria wants to talk to you. She speaks English, OK? OK. I sat next to him so she could see the two of us together and had a chat with her about what a lovely man Isaiah was and how much she loved London and wasn't it awful about that plane crash in the news. She bubbled with energy and enthusiasm. I reassured her I would look after her friend and keep him safe. I suppose she gave him her seal of approval and released him into my care. Although I bet she said something like, He's way too old for you. He's not going to kill you, is he? I felt very flattered to have the thumbs up from a bestie, like meeting the in-laws for the first time. We were all laughing, whether in Portuguese or English, so I guess that was the main thing. I expect she got a full report the next day. I hope it was Quente pra caralho, hot as fuck. Isaiah and I sat on the sofa with arms and legs entwined, permission tacitly given to touch and stroke all non-genital areas. He asked if he could shower. I got him a towel and didn't look as he undressed. In a few minutes, while I fussed with the oils and lights and music, he came into the bedroom in his underpants. I suppose I should be naked, he said. I suppose you should. He got onto the table and I began to work. He found it difficult to relax at first. His arms, when I lifted them, were light, not the heavy I wanted. But an hour later, as I drew the therapeutic part to a close, his legs were nice and weighty. My shorts had come off during that hour so that my cock was available to him. He'd seized and squeezed it avidly. Of course I'd taken a blue pill. It was a given these days. I wasn't sure if I'd manage without one. Even with, I sometimes worried, the hydraulics wouldn't cooperate. We were both hungry to move on to the fun part, but agreed ten more minutes before, finally, we moved from table to bed, 
There was a lot of kissing and licking and sucking and fondling. It became clear that neither of us wanted to be fucked. He seemed surprised and asked why. I interrupted the steamy flow to explain that when I was twenty I'd been, as I put it, raped or something like it, and now at any hint of approach I tighten up. No need to be afraid, he said, and explored a bit with a finger. I tolerated it. I didn't hate it. But very soon he came to the point of resistance and discomfort and withdrew. Once again I was reminded of that horrendous experience, which has become more painful in memory than it seemed at the time. Such is the psychological damage inflicted by a few minutes of abuse. The body does indeed keep the score. Perhaps it was my telling him that, this lad in his twenties who might not be expected to have empathy or comprehension of some older guy's historical experience from decades before he was born, but something tender and sweet emerged. Were we having sex, or, dare I say it, making love? Well, it felt like a true connection, a silent conversation, a physical and emotional bond. The cynical part of me says, don't be crazy, it was just another shag. But another part recognises the tenderness and respect of those few hours together. We explored and celebrated each other's bodies in silence. There were none of the usual porn-again clichés, only deep, long gazes, gentle strokes and sweet kisses. We both came, then finished our vodkas, chatted and laughed some more, and settled down to sleep to spend the night together. Snuggled up with legs and arms entwined. Bliss. Was that the first time since Kyle, four months earlier? It was a privilege to hold this handsome young man in my arms for so long. I slept really well. In the morning I got up for work and he snoozed on. Briefly he got out of bed so I could show him how the locks on the front door worked. We hugged and kissed our affection and thanks with promises to meet up again. I left on such a high and was buzzing all day with mental reruns of my night with Isaiah. It never occurred to me that he might steal or damage anything in my apartment. In fact, when I got home, I found that he'd been to the shops and left me some fruit and pastries. I received a text of thanks later. I replied with words that kept the metaphorical door open for him. A few days later I sent another message with carefully worded phrases, balancing hunger with restraint. I received no reply. I never saw Isaiah or heard from him again. But I did have that sweet night with that sweet man. You see, it wasn't all bad sex. But there was another crazy flurry of bad manners and disappointment around the corner, plus the excitement of some puppy action. Yes, puppy. I'll explain next time. My Year of Bad Sex is written and read by me, Jonathan Izard. The music and studio production are by Andy Mills. My Year of Bad Sex is a protocol production.